0: This morning's scripture passage is taken from Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Lena. Father, we stop for just a moment to ask that you would add your blessing to the word of uh, the reading of your word and that your word would bear fruit in our hearts. And so we ask for ears to hear, eyes to see what we need to see. And Lord, we admit that without you we can do nothing. And so please grant that your will would be done in our lives as we consider these words. And Lord, if there are anxious hearts that need to be readjusted, would you grant us peace in you? Would you grant us the ability to trust in you deeply? That our devotion and our love and our comfort and our security would be grounded in you, in you alone. And Lord Jesus, without you, this is completely impossible. And so we ask by your spirit, would you effect this in our hearts today? In Christ Jesus' name, amen. So we jump back into our series through the Sermon on the Mount and pick right up where we left off, which is in verses 6, 25 through 34. This is the end of chapter 6. And so this final segment um, has to do with a word that I'm quite sure you heard three times. uh, He repeated the word anxious. And so Jesus is thinking about uh, anxiety. Uh, We see it in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. We see it again in verse 31. I tell you, do not be anxious. And verse 34, therefore, do not be anxious. Jesus does not want his children to be anxious. So he is, is calling and commanding us not to be filled with anxiety so he's emphasizing this because evidently this is a massively important issue. So we need to hear this. We need to be able to focus in and pay attention to what Jesus is saying about anxiety. Uh, how relevant a topic. We are a anxious people. Some research by the National Institute of Mental Health determined that about 19% of all adults over the age of 18, 18 and up, Uh, suffer from some kind of anxiety disorder and younger adults suffer more intensely than do older adults and females suffer at an even higher rate than males so we are a people who struggles with anxiety and so uh, if this is true and there's about 180 or so adults in this room then about 35 of you uh, this is really, really a, a, a deep struggle, and so all of us need to pay attention because it might be you that the Lord would speak to, or you, you sur- surely would know someone uh, to whom this is uh, words could be helpful, and so we we invite you um, to consider deeply what jesus has said he 's going to argue that there is is uh, no reason to be anxious. there are reasons that we wrestle with and that we struggle with, but he 's going to offer an explanation for why we should not be anxious. He's going to say, first of all, that we ought not to be anxious about life and food, about the body and clothes. He's going to support this by looking at birds and also pointing to flowers. He's then going to ask you to consider the effects of anxiety. He will note that people who don't know God are anxious And then he will conclude by telling you, if you set your affections on the kingdom of heaven, everything that you're anxious about will be supplied to you. That's the conclusion. That's Jesus' summary statement. If you focus the, the goal and the intention, like we just said, if you seek the Lord with all of your heart, then all that you need will be added to you. So that's where we're going. So let's look at how Jesus argues, because this is one long, sustained argument. We know this because you, if you heard, don't be anxious three times, you also heard therefore three times. So Jesus is expounding upon a conclusion that has already gone before. So in order to understand the fullness of what Jesus is communicating, we have to go back and look at what was the conclusion in the previous section upon which Jesus is basing his argument. So look with me at verse 24. And if you have your copy of Scripture, you can look yourself. We'll throw some of these up, but uh, you, you look and see for yourself. Matthew 6:24. Here's the conclusion of the previous segment, which Chris Boston led us through two weeks ago. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Or that word can mean wealth or possessions. So the simple point of Jesus here is to force you, every one of us listening, to ask a question, who's your master? Whom are you serving? Are you serving God or are you serving possessions? Are, are you serving eternal things? Are you living for temporal things? That's the real question that Jesus is forcing us to answer. It's one that every one of us have to wrestle with and come to a conclusion on. Who, um, whom are we serving? Because everyone can only serve one master, is, is the point. You can't serve two. You only have one primary devotion in your life. And Jesus is going to argue that it is far better to serve God than to serve material possessions. It is far better to serve God with all of your heart than it is to seek after material possessions. Because Jesus is going to say that depending, if if you are deeply devoted to serving God with all of your heart, then then you will have supplied all that you need. But if you're not, if you're deeply devoted to to serving possessions and wealth, your life is going to be filled with anxiety. That's what he is saying and what he is illustrating. So which do you want? What, what kind of life would you rather have? Now, we might have to readjust the things that we want out of life, but God is promising to supply your needs. Your needs. That's what He's promising to supply. And we have just sung it. We're trusting Him for that. So are we truly, deeply within the quiet recesses of your soul? Are you, are you content in the Lord? Are you resting in Him? That's the uncomfortable call of this passage. And so let's see what Jesus says and how he argues. He states his thesis in verse 25. So look at verse 25 with me. Here's the principle that he's going to lay out before us. Therefore, here's the conclusion. So he's now applying the conclusion, which master are you going to serve? Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about the body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And his argument is, if God has given you life, he will also give you what you need for life. And if God has given you a body, then he will take care of what you need to take care of that body. So don't get consumed with the lesser things. Keep the right things the priority. And so... Why anxiety? First, as we think about anxiety, which is, is, is mentioned here, we have to identify it. What, what is anxiety? And the, the word means a state of mind that is overly concerned about the uncertainty of the future or even the uncertainty of, uh, of future events. So it's, an over, it's a, a mental, a state of mind, a preoccupation with a fearfulness or a over-concern about the future. So in this case, it's being overly concerned about food or clothing, is the examples that Jesus is using. And he's saying, don't be concerned about those things. Don't be anxious about them. Why not? He's going to give you some reasons. He's going to give us reasons why we should not be anxious. Three pieces of evidence that he's going to point to. He'll he'll point to using birds, thinking about food. He'll point to flowers, thinking about clothing. And he'll invite you to consider what's the fruitfulness of being anxious about things. What's the effect? So let's look at um, first thinking about birds, of of birds and food. He says, look to the birds of the air in in verse 26. And his point is that God's children need not be anxious about food because God feeds the birds, is what he's going to say. So verse 26 Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not more value than they are? So Jesus offers us visible evidence for why we should not be anxious about food. And he says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow. And how many of you look at the birds? We, we run. Do we you stop and consider them? We, we pass by them, some of us do, I run around Horn Pond a lot, I see a lot of people back photographing birds, but they're all retired. So all of you, I think, we're, 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 are you an anxious people? Are we, are we anxious? Has anxiety crept into our lives? What, what controls us and consumes us? And Jesus said, would you consider the birds? They don't sow. They don't plant gardens is what he's referring to they don't pitch out seed and have a little plot of land that they work until in order to provide food uh, they don't gather that food into big massive barns they don't store it up and yet what god feeds them god feeds the birds and so it's it's uh, not worth all of your anxiety to disbelieve that god won't feed you Now, birds work. This is not Jesus saying, you have permission to be lazy, right? The birds don't sit in the nest all day long waiting for it to rain down worms and grain. Birds are active, right? What's the saying? The early bird gets the worm. Birds are out. They are constantly active, looking for food, digging around, pecking and scraping and hopping and flittering here and there. But the point is, they are always fed feeds them. And here we see Jesus saying, your heavenly Father feeds the birds. Uh, Do you ever think about God feeding the birds? In in my mind, I think about the old man sitting in the park, you know, with uh, little sunflower seeds all over the place feeding the birds. But God's not an old man who's dispassionate about our individual needs. And yet here we see Jesus communicating to us that God the Father The creator and sustainer of this universe is someone who pays attention to birds. He feeds them. This is what Jesus says. So if you think God doesn't feed the birds, you have to argue with Jesus because that's what he's asserting here. So do you believe that? That God is concerned about the smallest of his creation? That's what Jesus is telling us. He's concerned about the little details. And he says, are you not of more value than the birds? all of the the details of your life. Do you think God is concerned about that? And I'm sitting here looking at someone who was helping to get moved into an apartment recently and we arrived to move in and had no appointment and weren't aware that an appointment was required in order to move furniture in. And so we were back and forth with the security guard on "Can can we have some grace? Can you please let us move in? And uh, he, no, you can't do it. you got to make an appointment. Uh, the, all the instructions are posted in the lobby. You should know this. And this brother I was standing with said, it's going to be okay. I, th- I think it's going to be okay. God didn't bring me here to this place uh, for to leave me uh, out in the cold. And so as the conversation was going on in between the security guard and we're waiting, he said, you, you go on home. This might take a while. So you, you go on home. I'm going to be okay. And I felt a little guilty, but he's like, okay. So I, I went on and five minutes later, he called me. And we prayed, by the way, we, we prayed before, um, uh, before I left. And then five minutes later, he calls me and he said, security guard just came out of his little booth and said, you, you go right on in. Um, we, we, it's all, all taken care of, it's all okay. This brother believed the Lord was gonna take care of that situation. But that's, that's pretty small, right? We missed an appointment. Does God care about missed appointments? And yet he provided and I say that to you because I'm sure you have 10,000 little things in your life that you think God is too busy for. And he doesn't care, he doesn't pay attention, he doesn't see them. And he does. Jesus is here affirming, if God gives thought for the birds, he thinks about his children 10,000 times more. And so I, Matthew 10:30 says this, even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, for you are of more value than many sparrows. God is concerned about his children. Don't believe it when the enemy whispers in your ear that he doesn't care and he's not going to take care of you. And I know you're probably thinking, well, not everybody is well fed. There, There are some people who are hungry in this world. And I would point you to the Apostle Paul who would say, if it's God's will that you go through a season where you're hungry, he'll give you the strength to even do that. Because we know from God's word, he gives us the strength to do all things. right? We, we can all probably quote Philippians 4.13, which says, who knows it? Philippians 4.13. I can do everything in the name of Jesus, right? Through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. And usually it means I can throw a thousand yard pass or shoot 17 three three throws, right? We can do amazing, wonderful things. I can start a company. I can tackle them out. I can do anything. That's usually the way we put it. How many of you know Paul uses it to explain you can go hungry by the strength that the Lord will supply to you? Here's what he says, Philippians 4.12. I know how to be content in every situation, I know how to uh, abound and I know in every circumstance of what I have learned, the secret of facing plenty and of hunger, of being in abundance or being in a place of need, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So if you hear Jesus saying, trust him to take care of your needs for food and you're thinking there's some Christians who are hungry, I would say God will supply the need for you to do whatever he calls you to do. So don't worry. If God brings you through a very lean season, he'll sustain you. But if God wants to pour out abundant blessings on you, he will do so. And he will provide for his children all that is needed. So that's Jesus' first argument for not being anxious about food, is that God takes care of birds. And so certainly he will care about you. And then in verse uh, 27, he says, now think about the effects of anxiety. Verse 27, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? Meaning, what does anxiety do for you? If you're anxious about your life and if you're going to have enough food to live long, does does that anxiety produce extended life? (laughs) No, we know it does the exact opposite. Anxiety robs you of life. And I I came across an amazing study in a 2021 December uh, study from Yale researchers who discovered that the epigenetic aging of our DNA and cells is affected by stress levels. And so the higher the stress levels, the, the shorter our lifespan is. So anxiety actually doesn't add anything to life. It takes it away. It robs us of of length of life and quality of life. So why would we spend our time being anxious when it doesn't affect anything is what Jesus is saying. And then he gives us another piece of evidence, a third piece. He says, consider the flowers. You're thinking about clothes. You're worried about provision for clothing. He now moves, he says, consider the flowers of the field. So he takes us uh, into this, this thinking about the the fields that are adorned with the beauty of flowers. Verses 28 to 30. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, then will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? You worry about what you're going to wear? Am I going to have enough provision for myself, right? We probably all of us have plenty of clothes, but the point is, do you think you'll have enough? You have what you need. Why do you worry about the external uh, covering of our body? All of this is, is going to be taken care of, so don't be consumed about the externals, because he says, consider flowers. Think about little flowers. So first point, they don't toil, he says he's using clo- or flowers as an analogy for clothing because God clothes the grassy fields with the beauty of flowers. And when you think about flowers, they don't toil, they don't work. They don't get together and plan a strategic allotment of where they're going to be placed over a field in order to adorn it with beauty. They, they don't plot or plan or strategize. They don't toil, they don't work for the beauty that they have. Neither do they spin, Flowers don't sit for hours in sewing rooms, creating magnificent robes and delicate uh, outer garments in order to display their beauty to passers-by. And yet, if you're slow enough when you're passing by and you stop and you look at a flower, you will see some incredible beauty, incredible detail, fragile beauty. And yet, all of that displayed by a creator who is intricately involved in the smallest things of life is what Jesus is communicating. And he says, all of this beauty that we see, flowers are beautiful. A couple weeks ago, the crabapple tree in the backyard burst with blooms. It was absolutely gorgeous. And all of the flowers that add so much beauty to our lives, God is concerned with. And do you know, he's the one behind them. When you think about who's the floral designer for the fields, it is God the Father. Look at verse 30. He says, If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow thrown in the oven, will he not so much more clothe you? Right? Who, who's doing the clothing of the fields? It's God. We, we pass by that and we, we don't see his activity God is active all around us if we had the eyes to see it. And so when you, when you pass by a field covered with lilies, right, a, a flower-covered field, when you pass by that and you see it, do you look and say, that's, that's the work of God. That's the beauty of God casting out a little flavor and a little color in this world. That's Him at work. If only we would see it. And and I ask myself, why on earth would the God of this universe care about flowers and blooms and blossoms? Is it because he's cared about flowers and blooms or blossoms? Or is it because he's trying to teach us that he is concerned about the little details of our lives? Is that the point he's trying to drive into our brain? Yes, I am concerned about the little details of your life. And that's why we sing today, we trust in him. We're we're telling ourselves we can trust in God. And and that's how the psalmist can write, for example, in Psalm 62, 8. Trust him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Do you trust him at all times? Do you trust? lean upon him as a kind of refuge do you go to God as a place of security and stability that's what Jesus is commending that kind of trust that kind of confidence in God's ability to provide for you is a call to rest in him not a call to stress and we want to stress we are driven to stress and anxiety and Jesus is saying I would spare you of that I would call you to settle in the quietness of your soul and lean upon God the Father because he will carry you at all times. So trust in him at all times. And later in Psalm, he says, even to gray hair and old age, I will carry you. That is the promise of God. Do you trust in that? Can you rest in that kind of of sweet promise? Because... Sometimes I think we don't. We just can't quite get there. And Jesus hints that this is a bit of a problem at the very end of the verse when he says, oh, you of little faith, right? He is pointing out that we have a weak faith. When we're filled with anxiety and worry, it is a weak faith. It's not that there's no faith, but he says, oh, you of little faith, your faith needs to be strengthened. It needs to grow and be fitted. And if that offends you, which to someone to tell you, you have weak faith, probably doesn't land very well. And yet I counted five times in the gospel of Matthew, where Jesus says to his disciples, oh, you of little faith. And and I just wonder, are you and me humble enough to say, Lord, I, I need my faith fortified. I need my faith strengthened. Will you Will you give me a deeper and more confident faith in you? If that's you, I invite you to pray this morning. Because he is a God who hears prayer. And so Jesus says, don't don't stay in that place of weakness. Don't be content with constant anxiety. Rest in him. Because he said, those who don't know God are continually anxious. And that's the next verse, verses 31 to 32. When he says, look at the Gentiles. The Gentiles stand for people who don't know God. They're not connected to him. They have no covenant relationship to him. So he's, think about them. Therefore, do not be anxious, verse 31, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For Gentiles seek after all of these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Don't be like people who don't know God. They're filled with anxiety. They're constantly worrying. Are we going to have enough? Are we going to be able to do this? Are we going to be able to do that? And Jesus is saying, that's how a non-covenant people respond. Don't respond that way. And, And every time we come to these kinds of issues, we have to ask, are you a child of God? Do you have the Spirit of God dwelling within you? Are you in a covenant relationship with God through Jesus Christ? If not, you don't have these promises. But if you're trusting in God through Jesus, and he has supplied his spirit to you, then yes, he will give you the grace and goodness of his provision, and the door is wide open for anyone to jump into a covenant relationship with the Lord, anytime. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary, heavy, burdened, full of anxiety, and I will give you rest, rest for your souls." The way to enter into a relationship with God the Father is through Jesus Christ. And He carries the burdens for us. Right? We can picture a Savior who put on His back a, a, a cross, a beam, that signified all of our sin and carried the weight of all of our sin up to Calvary and then died to release that burden from us. He died to atone for our sins. Are you trusting Him for your salvation? Are you, are you trusting in Jesus to have rid, uh, get rid of all of the burden of your sin from your shoulders because that's what he has carried. And he says, trust in me, so don't be anxious. And then he says, don't be anxious about tomorrow, verse 34. Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And Jesus is simply saying, I think, two things. First of all, Every day has its own trouble. Every day has its own concerns. And secondly, why would you import future problems into your stresses of today? You're you're only magnifying the anxiety. So leave those stressors for tomorrow, leave that anxiety in tomorrow, because you have no idea whether or not it's actually going to happen. We sometimes worry about, I read a statistic one time, 80% of the things that we are anxious about never actually happen. So why do we waste our time being so anxious? I know it's a struggle, but the real question is, can you confidently rest in your Savior to give you what you need to get through all that he's called you to go through? That's the question. Can, can I confidently rest my soul upon who Jesus is and what he has accomplished? So don't worry about tomorrow. So in conclusion, His offer then, in order to avoid all of that anxiety, is to focus the the first act of your faith and the attention of your soul upon the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things, clothes, food, everything you need to live, all of these things will be added to you. This sort of takes us back to the beginning of what Jesus has mentioned. All these things that you're worried about, the possessions, the wealth, all the stuff of life, if you seek God first and foremost and above all else, then all of the necessary provisions that you need will be given to you. If you put the Lord first, he promises everything else that you need for this life will be provided to you. I'll take care of you, is what he's saying. I will give you exactly what you need. So don't be anxious about the stuff. Focus the attention of your soul on the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all of everything else you need will be added to you. Now one, one question in conclusion is, what does it mean to seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness? And I think it means to seek Jesus because Jesus is the very righteousness of God. Jesus is the complete and perfect embodiment of God. And so seeking him first and the kingdom of God first, I think involves living out what Jesus has, what we call the Lord's Prayer. Seeking first the kingdom of God, and think with me for a minute. What, what does that prayer, how does it instruct us to pray? Right? We are told seeking first the kingdom of God, seeking him above all else is to glorify the name of God above all. It's to seek to glorify his name and not our name. It means to live in private life and in our public life to the aim of glorifying God's name, not our own. Not to exalt ourselves, but to put God forward. Putting the kingdom first and, and Christ first means willingly surrendering our will, not my will, but yours be done. It's not resisting the will of God for our lives, because, Father, that your will be done in on earth just as it is in heaven which is without resistance and so gladly obeying the commands of the Lord embracing the call that God has on our lives it is, it is trusting him to supply the daily needs even when the day doesn't unfold like our calendar said it would or how we hoped it would it's trusting that God is sovereign over our day and so he knows who we need to meet He knows the conversations we need to have. He knows who you need to go lunch with. He knows what you need to do with your time. Trusting Him for those kind of things and seeking His opinion, praying throughout the day is part of it. It also means confession of sin, realizing your own failures of of living up to God's standard, but then also forgiving others who have failed us. So it is living a lifestyle of forgiveness. It also means we fight against temptation In our lives, we resist temptation, we run from temptation, and we flee to the Lord. We also then are at home with Jesus. I think that's the summary of the Christian life. What does it mean to seek God first, His kingdom, and His righteousness is to seek His Son with everything within us and to be completely at home in the presence of the Lord. That's what being a Christian is it is loving and treasuring Christ Jesus more than anything else on the planet. And so what do we hear today? What are we hearing Jesus say? What's, what's Christ saying to you? There's a call to analyze what, what are you living for? What are you serving primarily? Is it wealth and possessions or is it God? Have you determined to dedicate your life to him or are other things creeping in? Are, are we anxious? Is there anxiety in your life, and your heart? Are they misplaced? Are you worried about stuff? Or are you surrendered to your Savior? That's the call, completely giving in. And don't worry about the stuff. God's promising, I'll give you what you need. Yes, your needs, what you think you need, might need to be adjusted. And yet we are called, can we rest in him? That's that's what faith is. Faith is resting confidently in the person of Jesus Christ. And so, are you anxious? your life filled with anxiety? Are you content with the sovereign power and authority of the Lord Jesus? Jesus' call here is don't be anxious about those things, but set the devotion of your heart wholly on him. Everything else will be taken care of. So let's pray together. Father, anxiety is probably hard for some of us to overcome. But Lord, we, I don't think anybody in the room wants to be an anxious person. And yet, we might find the disposition of our soul leaning in that direction. And I ask you, give each one of us the ability to rest in you. Give each one of us the ability to trust you in the little details of life. And I ask you, Father, would you help us to be able to be a people who pray to you through every little detail, even if it is, I don't have an appointment to move in. Can you move? And Lord, I ask you, by your love and tender-hearted graciousness, would you move in our hearts? If our faith is weak, would you strengthen it? If, if our faith is misplaced, if we're leaning too much on possessions or our attention of our lives and souls is too much on the stuff of this world, redirect us, Lord. Give us the ability to, to put before you, before our, the eyes of our hearts, you. Let us seek you with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. And you have said in your word, if we seek you with all of our heart, We'll find you. May we, each of us in this room, find you in an intimate and personal way. And Lord, may we find comfort in knowing that you take care uh, of us. You will provide exactly what we need in order to do what you call us to do. And I pray all of this in your powerful, sweet name, Lord Jesus, Amen. amen.